ప్రేమ స్వరూపులైన విద్యార్థులారా విద్యా బోధకులారా విద్యాభిమానులారా I am like the roaring lion in the dream. My roaring will wake you up from the dream into reality. This is The Lion's Roar, the DSI podcast all about understanding the teachings of Satya Sai Baba in their truest form. Nishivita here. Have you ever been bird watching or sat on a park bench and people watched? Why don't we try something a little different? Thought watching. It's a fascinating exercise. Thoughts arise and thoughts disappear. The next thought arises, which leads to another thought and then another. Ah, there's another one. Oh dear, a predator, a jealous thought. Well, let's send that one off on its merry way. And then comes along this next thought following on from the last one and then oh that's a really colorful little thought over there. Oh, that one's disappeared too. Huh. Here's a thought. This ceaseless array of thoughts. Where do they come from? Am I the thought? Am I the creator of the thought or am I simply a witness to the thought? Last episode we had a perspective shifting phrase from Swami Mano Moonam Idam Jagate or mind is the root cause of all This whole cosmos is nothing but a projection of the mind The implications of this weighty phrase can be felt in the next statement that Swami makes man means mind and mind means man let's put this palindromic statement in context a couple of sentences before this swami quotes the sanskrit verse yad bhavam tat bhavati that is as is our thought or feeling so is the manifestation swami also mentions the english equivalent which you might have heard before so thinketh the man so the man ultimately it's because we identify with the mind that we are human so if mind equals man no mind equals we'll complete this equation a bit later but for now let's follow swami as he defines what he means by mind When we listen to the discourse audio, Swami leads us down a line of questioning that makes it all really clear. He asks rhetorically, "What is man? Mind or manas? So then, what is mind? Man." And before we're satisfied by the pleasing symmetry of this, he gently leads us asking, "What exactly is the mind?" And then he says, and we've all unthinkingly trotted this one out before. Swami says, mind is only a bundle of thoughts in this discourse swami specifically describes it as a conglomeration of sankalpa or thoughts or intentions but 
Caveat, remember the definition for manas we saw last episode? Manas or mind here is not referring to the cognitive physiological functions of the brain. Manas is subtler than that. It's merely an interface, a bundle of thoughts that have come together and we stupidly have identified with the interface as us. It's like... It's like we're watching the world through CCTV and then we say that we are the camera. It's just not correct. The thoughts in this aforementioned bundle are what result in action. And action is what leads to the experiences of joy and sorrow. Since thoughts are the basis for actions, it follows then that good thoughts need to be held on to for a good life. Swami mentions in the audio that thoughts have real staying power. They'll still hang about even after the body ceases to exist. So as much as we try to hang on to the good thoughts, bad thoughts also need to be avoided. It's on account of these bad thoughts, Swami says, that the principle of divine love or prema tattvam has deteriorated or declined between man and man. Essentially, Bad thoughts are those thoughts that separate man from man and make them forget their common divinity. When men realize that the Atma that is in everybody is one and the same, there will be no scope for differences. And this is the aim, to let go of all differences and to focus on the oneness behind it all. These few statements from Swami rewire our entire thinking. Bad thoughts are ones that cause separation. These thoughts make us see he and she, them and us. They make us see you as different from me. Conversely, good thoughts are those that promote the principle of divine love. They focus instead on the substratum that pervades all. Swami then delves into just how far-reaching the effects of our thoughts are. He says humanity begins with the individual, expands into society, spreads into the country, and reaches a full stop at the world. Therefore, the peace of the world rests in the peace of the individual. Both the world and the individual have their basis in the mind, and it is therefore vital that appropriate efforts are made to bring the mind onto the right path. Remember the statement we saw earlier in the episode? As is the feeling, so is the manifestation. And what is this world if not our manifestation? This is beyond mind-blowing. It's mind-warping. Or we hope you don't mind this fishy segue. It's mind-warping. Yeah. Swami throws us a line with a powerful analogy that explains just what wrangling the mind onto the right path requires. Just as fish swim against the current to save themselves from dangers, so too man should combat bad thoughts to protect himself from dangers. Swami baits us, saying that man doesn't even have the intelligence a fish has to move away from danger. Let's dive a bit deeper into this analogy, or should I say, canalogy. Just as fish swim against the current, the natural current of thoughts are to divide, to constantly create differences. Man's task? To swim against this. Why don't we though? Perhaps it's like being caught in a rip that we don't know we're caught in until we're really far away from shore. Perhaps we've been swept away and haven't been able to identify that these division-inducing thoughts are harmful to us. 
The effect of this, Swami says, is that man today is creating all sorts of trouble for himself because of his wrong thoughts. None else should be blamed for his pleasures or sorrows, difficulties, gains or losses. Thoughts arising from his mind alone are the cause of this. The effort, therefore, must be made to bring the mind on the right path. We need to be aware of and keep swimming against the current, the natural state of the mind, division. The mind is the root of the tree of samsara, which has numerous branches and leaves. Swami clarifies here that samsara is not the binding family life as we would usually place it. He says, samsara is sankalpa or thoughts. Samsara is the tree of our life. It is grand and sprawling, filled with an endless network of branches and leaves, and the mind is the root of it all. To uproot this entire tree properly, we have to lay the axe at the root of the tree. And what is our axe? Swami lays it out in a slightly cryptic fashion as he reminds us to find the permanence in impermanence. For every individual or object which is born or created, there is an end. Nothing in this world is permanent. Swami at this point quotes a Bhagavad Gita verse, Anityam Asukam Lokam, this world is impermanent and filled with sorrow. Swami continues, Knowing this, we should therefore focus on the real within the unreal, the principle of the Atma, which is the one truth. If we fail to do so and focus on the unreality instead, then that's when we're introduced into the realm of fear. Fear. The world is riddled with it, whether at home or walking in the street or riding a bus, a train or a plane, even our innermost fears. So much of what we do is driven by fear. We're haunted by it. What is the cause for this sort of fear? This fear is like a disease that infects the very root of the tree of samsara. Swami says, it is brought about by the absence of pure and sacred thoughts in our mind. Let's bring back Swami's definition of good and bad thoughts. Good thoughts equal oneness and bad thoughts equal division. Fear is therefore only present in an impure mind which is steeped in division, in the thought of others. Swami then sings a song. Bhayam, bhayam, pratuku bhayam, 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 pratuku bhayam, anna manaki lokam pannina padnam yugam. Swami sings, fear, fear, life itself is fear. For us, this world is a skillfully crafted maze, or Padmavyuham. There's actually an episode from the Mahabharata that Swami uses to demonstrate, the tragedy of Abhimanyu. He was the son of the mighty Arjuna and a hero in his own right. But during the final days of the Kurukshetra war, he needed to strategically enter the opposing side's battle formation. So this formation was known as the Lotus Formation. The only problem was, while he knew how to pierce it, how to get into it, he didn't know how to escape it. And this is the predicament that we're all trapped into. We aren't able to realize that 
all worldly pleasures have emerged from sorrow. We'll only know the way out when we submit our thoughts to the scrutiny of the buddhi, or the intellect. Next episode, we're going to hand the reins over to the intellect, the charioteer. But for now, let's head back into the field for more thought watching. Until next time, stay awesome.